The following podcast is intended for adult audiences. Listener discretion is advised. The Iron Realm, Chapter 43, Legacy of the Elves. With the return of Solus and his group, the tribes called a council to discuss the encounter with the goblins and the offer made to the hobgoblins. This council, as were most councils, was held in the dark with the participants recognizing each other by the sounds of their voices, which were made always just loud enough to hear. In the back of everyone's mind was the thought of what would happen if they were heard beyond the door. The malady was still upon them. They were vulnerable. They had numbers, but it guaranteed nothing. It had not saved Kai, or Echo, or Sira. Orson went to Lelena, and he held her as Stockholm delivered the news. The Hobbs were their allies now, or at least this was the bargain to be carried out for one battle against their bitter enemies the goblins. A crown inlaid with jewels had been promised to them, and the thugs had already been paid off with gear and with coin for their consideration of the plan. Amazar especially was skeptical, as was most of the group, and, all said and done, Stockholm was as well. The plan could pay off, and Of course, there was a good chance it could backfire badly as well. Stockholm advised to prepare for the worst, since both the Gobs and the Hobbs were well known for their treachery, and the group spent a great deal of time making their plans in case of disaster. Before we end our council, said Orson, beckoning Treya to stand beside him, there is some good news that Lelena... Treya and I would like to share, and a very serious request that we would put to all of you as well. We three are the Light Elves, and we have come to know, as a consequence of our travels, that our kind has become rare beyond rare in the maze. It is even possible that we who are before you are the last. As you know, Kai, brother to me, and devoted mate to my beloved, tirelessly sought to lead us to the elvish homeland where our kind could be reborn. He parted from us before fulfilling this wish. It was our hope, continues Lelena then, squeezing Orson's hand as Treya stands beside them. That a safe, forested paradise could be the place to raise our children, but we have not found it. And now, there is no other male besides Orson to plant the seed within me. Guy showed us that even in the company of friends, we can lose a love at any time. Should my second beloved pass away, then our race would be destined just to die. And we would never return to life again in this or any other world. It is time now, not in some other place, but here. In the maze, in the cold, in the dark, 
in the halls of stone, amidst enemies and danger, in tunnels and chambers and secret rooms, this is the world we know, and soon our children will know it too. We can wait no longer. Our people must continue. In acknowledgement of our need, Treya has also agreed to take my seed deep into her sacred center, says Orison. And, for this, Lelena and I and all future elves are in debt and in gratitude to her forever. We sadly regret that my brother is no longer with us to give to us of his essence, for with his strength and wisdom we would truly have created a strong new generation together and the best hope for the continuation of our kind. The mantle is now mine, and... I vow not only to lend my strength to the precious lives that grow now within these wombs, but I will give my life to nurture and protect them for the rest of my days in this world. And I give my body to this loving union, says Lilena. May my sacred space become full and alive with your seed. I will always accept you deep inside of me. May my womb carry our child, warmly, and well, until the day he will emerge into the love of our family. I will protect him for all of my days, giving of my milk, my love, and the sanctuary of my arms, until the day when I must at last pass from this world. And I will accept the seed as well, says Treya. I vow to protect our children and our family with all that I am, until the very day, that I die. For you, Orson. For you, Lilena. And for all the elven people. I accept. Yet we know, that this decision is not only ours, but also yours. And we ask for your blessing and your support. For you are now as much our people as were the elves of old. Melonamine. Our destinies are one. May the joy we seek strengthen our bonds of family. And also serve as a new light in the dark for us all. In this way, we who are three, who aspire to be more than three, invite you with love into our union. Beautiful humans and halflings, graceful Uname, and steadfast dwarf, come into our family. Let us make official that affection that is already brimming over plentifully and warmly from our hearts to yours. The desire for offspring and the desire for survival are closely bound in living beings. And the horrific death of Kai has triggered this impulse within the elvish tribe. Yet how can this hope succeed? And can they even save themselves? Even amidst the talk of new life, the Yuname are dying in their beds. So turns the wheel Travelers, so turns the wheel.
The Iron Round, copyright A. Lenzo, is an extreme reimagining of the fantasy setting and can be found at theironround.com and theironround.blogspot.com. Character 8 Relic Write-Ups The discovery of certain magic items within the game present a new write-up opportunity for role-players of the Iron Realm. Magic items of significant power in the Iron Realm are often much more than mere stats upon the page. Indeed, each may well possess a rich history ripe for detailing by the avid role player. You are eligible to complete one relic write-up for each permanent magic item that comes into Character 8's possession. This opportunity does not apply to single-use items such as magic scrolls, potions, or the like, but instead is intended for stronger relics such as magic swords, magic armor, magic rings, or the like. It is also permissible to create a relic write-up for temporary magic items that are possessed of three or more charges, such as certain magic wands, staves, or rods. Again, you are permitted to create a write-up for any significant magic item that comes into the possession of Character 8. And, while you are required to retain the fundamental details of such an item, such as in-game bonuses or item class, you are, as the role player, completely free to embellish the description, history, and symbolism in any way you choose for full effect. This could be Character 8's next signature weapon. Don't hold back! <laughs> when completing your relic write-up, be it for sword, shield, ring, or other powerful item, be sure to list a name or any aliases for the object in question. Instead of calling it plus one sword, why not be creative and try the Steel Avenger, Scourge of the Eastlands, or Lucian's Light? Don't worry if I, your Maze Master, have already detailed the item with a history and a name when it came into your shared fate counterpart's possession. For Character 8, you get to do it your own way. As an extension of your own character, his or her exploits, deeds, and triumphs, be sure to identify the item's class. Is it a sword? Hammer? Is it a shield? Is it plate mail armor? Is it a glove? Detail its composition. What is it made of? Reveal its dimensions and its weight. If applicable, do also note its damage. Or if it has pluses, show this as the item's enchantment. You'll also want to make note 
of the item's counterpart. For example, the Skeleton Paladin's Sword of Healing, plus one. For as you know, should your relic's counterpart ever pass into different hands, should it ever be lost or destroyed, it will be necessary for you to retire your relic write-up from active play. Take time to give a detailed description of the relic, as well as an account of its origin and first appearance. Remember, the Iron Realm exists as a shadow cast from a million worlds, and so every magic item is likely to have hailed from any one of a multitude of planes and realities before at last arriving in the last realm. Detail the relic's history too, and make note of prior wielders or owners of the item. Does it have any special associations or symbolism? Describe your item's powers and be as colorful as you like with your description. When the work has been completed, roll 3d6 and add your write-up bonus. For a roll of 3 to 15, gain one luck point. For a roll of 16 or more, gain two. Magic items in the realm are rare in the extreme, yet every one discovered by character 8 is a new opportunity for adding even greater depth to your own journey in the Iron Realm. Tribal Matters It is middle day, 12 o'clock, on the 18th day of Primaris, when Stockholm and the Vanguard return from the maze to the Kobold Barracks. They are in level Alpha 1, 4127, 4331. Bardar secures the door behind them, including the leather doorstop, as Stockholm and Orson deliver the news to the others. They have planned a rendezvous with the Goblin Tribe on the 21st day in hopes of trading their captives for Celeste. But as a backup plan, they have also propositioned the Hobgoblin Tribe in hopes of encouraging the Goblins to stay faithful to the original deal. During their council meeting, the elves also reveal a desire for children and offer this as an opportunity for the four tribes to join into one. Though the response is favorable, what has been proposed is no small request, and so the group commits to discussing it further over the days to come. Indeed, the discussion will raise many questions which will have to be answered, and indeed, as of yet, no decision has been made by the Unime 
as to whether, presuming the recovery of their mother, they might choose to stay with the tribes or go. But perhaps that question is premature considering the state that Nim's sisters are in. The group has spent some time training themselves on their martial abilities whilst Stockholm, Orson, and the others of the Vanguard were away. Nora and Twyla have been catatonic for two days, and so Treya has taken charge of Nora's gear, particularly her plate mail armor and shield, while also having taken custody of the magic sword. The spells memorized are as follows. Treya, Aura against Evil, Kailana, Invisible Shield, Amazar, Door Denial. This day, the magic sword's power has not yet been used, nor has Nim's innate healing ability. Those under maximum on their life points are as follows. Nora, 6 out of 9. Twyla, 2 out of 6. Nora and Twyla appear lifeless upon the straw mattresses. They are tended by Nim and Len and Temek, though none amongst them is certain that either one of the unicorn girls will be able to pull through. Precious little water and food remain, and at last count, there are 13 full water skins, normally enough to last but one day, though the group knows that by making use of the steam cavern, there are only a few in the group who will need to partake of water from the skins. Solus prepares himself to lead the first group, and, as before, none in the group dons armor heavier than leather. Each member of the group also equips themselves with basic gear, whilst Orson, who brings up the rear, is charged with the task of lighting a torch in case they run into any trouble in the dark. It looks like Bardar has torches and a tinderbox, so he passes these to Orson for the duration of their patrol. And so the first group will include Stockholm Solus, Kailana Len, Temek, Bardar, Kana, and Orson. The dice. The dice show that Solus's group is able to make it to the steam cavern, take the water from the walls, and return again, we'll say. By two o'clock. The second group consists of Treya, Iona, Lilena, Amazar, and, bringing up the back, Paola and Nim. Treya borrows a tinderbox and torches from Bardar just in case they are needed, and it is she who will be charged with lighting it should the need arise. Treya's group, like Solus's, are garbed in nothing heavier than leather whilst also being equipped with their usual weapons and gear. At roughly 1.10, as Treya and her group penetrate their way into the maze, the sounds of beastmen conversing reaches them through the halls. Let's check the distance. 
60 feet away. And now the appropriate listen checks to see if Treya's group is aware. Iona and Lilena do hear the sound. It is determined that the voices of Beastmen are coming from within room 17. Treya can see that the door is cracked and there is a light coming from within side as well. The group is very cautious, considering their former two encounters with Beastmen were far from friendly. Beastmen have a pickpocket amongst their number, and so the Beastmen are allowed a listen check too, which they have failed. Treya takes a moment to light her torch silently, and since there is already light coming from within the room, this does not give away their position. She motions to Paola's pouch, and Paola produces three oil flasks. Iona, Paola, and Treya each take one, lighting them before slipping forward to the door. Each has a weapon in their other hand, and they go, while the rest of their group, with Lelena now holding the torch, tails the three oil bearers from behind. I'm going to give Iona a roll versus silence. If she succeeds, the group will get a further bonus against the Beastmen. Let's see, a high number. Her score is a 75. It is a 72. As the door comes open, the seven Beastmen look up to see Treya and the rogues throwing burning oil into their midst at point-blank range. Although there is no additional bonus, each member of the group must now make a missile attack against armor value of 10. Iona and Paola each need a 5, Iona 11, Paola 18, and Treya needs an 8 at short range. Only a 6. Treya's vial smashes against the back wall and is not close enough to the Beastmen. I have generated the life points for this Beastman tribe. Let's see how much damage is being done by the burning oil to all within its midst. A three. Four of the Beastmen immediately succumb to the flames, falling to the ground, burning, burning. I'm going to need to know now what kind of gear the Beastman tribe is equipped with, rolling my d10. The result is a 3. These Beastmen are naked, and aside from some basic gear and rocks, they have no weapons or armor for their own defense. Round 1, the Beastmen. A 5, Treya and her group. A 4, two of the biggest Beastmen, with rocks, run up to confront the two rogues. Each has an armor value of 4, so a 15 is needed to strike them. The beastmen swing with their rocks, but the rogues are far too quick 
and dodge with ease out of the way. Meanwhile, there's one remaining beast man still on his feet, and he is dodged out of the flames. He throws his rock at Treya. But with a five, he has no hope to strike her. Iona swings at her beast man with a sword. But fails with a two. Paola swings at hers. But is also unable to strike. Treya stabs in against the bigger one with her magic sword. Nineteen! Somehow this sword is easier to wield and it strikes unusually well, slaying the larger of the two Beastman fighters. Round two initiative, the Beastman. A six, Treya and her tribe. A six, simultaneous combat. The Beastman must now make two bravery checks. And both of these are failed. The remaining Beastmen cower to the back of the room, but they're still on fire, and the oil does four more points of damage, causing both thugs to be burned to a crisp. I probably should have made that first bravery check before the combat started, but whatever. They're all dead. 91 level points into the pool. Treya and her group. As the fire dies down, the members of the tribe go inside, closing the door behind them. As Lelena holds aloft her torch, there are several beast man bodies upon the floor, and Amazar deduces that this group of beast men had come looking for those Solus and his group had laid low earlier. The bodies are of very little interest, although suddenly the group realizes that the Beastmen did indeed have some gear after all, stowed in sacks in the corner of the room. The group goes at once to examining these, soon to discover if they contain anything of note within. Distributing the level point pools. I've made some adjustments for those who spent time in the catatonic state. There are 200 points available for the intro to chapter 40, 41, 42, and 43. I'm splitting this 13 ways, which provides 15 level points for each partaking tribes member. During Chapter 42, Sola Stockholm, Orson, and Kana successfully dealt with 15 points of goblins and 30 points of hobgoblins. That leaves 11 level points each, with one point left over. And finally, 
during this episode, Chapter 43, Treya, Fiona, Lelena, Amazar, Nin, and Paola score 91 level points for dealing with the seven beast men. That's 15 level points each with one left over. The seven leftover life points I'm giving to Nim. And so, the level point totals are as follows. Solus, 1061. Len, 1128. Kaylana, 947. Treya, 1270. Stockholm, 1500. Temek, 874. Amazar, 1246. Iona, 1917. Kana, 1526. Paola, 1826. Bardar, 1434. Lilena, 378. Morrison, 1183. Nora, 2307. Twyla, 1474. And Nim, 1028. Yet there were takings discovered amongst the remains of the Beastmen, and so the level points for Treya's group may potentially go higher yet. The dice. A 10% chance for some copper for each of the seven Beastmen. 94 copper coins. Next, a 10% chance for silver rolled twice for each beast man. 37 silver coins. For Electrum, a 5% chance rolled once for each of the beast men. There is none. And gold, a 5%, then a 10% chance for each of the Beastmen. <laughs> 50 gold coins. Next, platinum, a 5% chance for each Beastman. There is none. Jewelry. A 5% chance, then a 10% chance per beast man. No jewelry. And magic items? A 2% chance, then a 5% chance for each beast man. magic item has been indicated. Beastmen always seem to have the best treasure. As the fire dies down, a shield with the shape of a cross is found in the center of the room, and yet the fire has barely touched it. Treya takes it for now, putting her old shield upon her back. Noting that the symbol upon it seems to match that on her sword. The coins give 54 level points to the group, which is an additional 9 for each under Treya's charge. And so I adjust the level points for these following. Treya, 1279. Amazar, 1256. Iona, 1927. 
Viola, 1836, Lilena, 387, and Nim, 1037. Meanwhile, the coins are given into Nim's care, whilst the group also finds three spellbooks and 14 water skins, all full. Six flasks of oil given to Amazar, and six torches given to Viola. With these treasures now discovered, Treya calls off the march to the Steam Cavern for today. And instead, they spend the rest of the time dragging two beastmen back to the barracks to serve as food. They will live, perhaps, another day. There is no greater treasure in the Iron Realm. I have been your Maze Master, Abel Enzo. Remember, play hard or go home. Iron Rail! Good night, everyone.